Welcome to PageCast, a podcast series brought to you by Jonathan Bull Publishers, aimed to give you the story behind the story. By interviewing the authors responsible for some of your most loved books, we explore the thoughts, ideas, emotions, and creative processes that led to the writing of these books. If you're a reader with a zesty interest in people and stories, do stick around and enjoy what PageCast has to offer. Tough Love by Love Morindo. Growing up in extreme poverty in Messina, in the early 1980s, Love Morindo was forced to start fighting to protect himself, his parents and his siblings. At an early age, he experienced the injustices of apartheid when his arm was broken during a beating in a police cell and he saw his best friend gunned down in a protest march. After receiving his first boxing training at the gym of a local copper mine, he set off for Johannesburg to further his career. There he was exposed to some of the hard truths of the boxing world, like unscrupulous promoters who made empty promises. Through sheer determination, he managed to stay afloat and soon the Black Panther, his name in the ring, started winning fights. When he was offered an opportunity to go boxing in Australia, he left the country in the mid-1990s and began to make a name for himself internationally. Once again, he faced many setbacks and challenges, but eventually became a triple world champion. A number of big names in local and international boxing circles feature in this book. Lovemore describes his awe at meeting Dengan Tobela and Brian Mitchell how he trained at Khari Kutsia's boxing center on the East Rand, and how, in later years, he was the main sparring partner for Floyd Mayweather during a stint in the USA. Lovemore holds six university degrees and runs the successful practice Lovemore Lawyers in Sydney, Australia. He specializes in the areas of family law and criminal law. Lovemore is a former world champion in two weight divisions and was recently inducted into the Australian Boxing Hall of Fame. Lovemore Ndo will be in conversation with Bongani Mahasela, sports journalist and longtime friend. Uh, thank you very much uh, for making me famous when I am actually a non entity, you know, in the field of journalism and boxing. First and foremost, I want to say there is a possibility that I may run out of, you know, appropriate words to communicate with love more because I'm super excited about this momentous occasion. I mean, this man, for me, really, like I said, I don't have appropriate words to describe what he has achieved under difficult, trying, impossible, you know, situations I mean, uh, boxing started, I assume, in the 1800s. And uh, men and women of integrity have done wonders uh, in the sport of boxing. But outside the sport of boxing, it's a shame. Here is a man from a, should I say, from nothing. He packs his bags because he feels... He is not going to reach for the stars in his country. He goes into a foreign uh, country where he knows no one. That is courage. He gets into that country. Obviously, he's not going to get paid, you know, good purse monies if he does get fights. But the little 
Mpenis that he earned. He did not go for gold, you know, chains, fancy shoes and stuff like that. But he invested his money in his future. Education, which is key to success. I am talking about a man who has done something that I can proudly and arrogantly say, you know, no one will ever achieve it. Six degrees, read my lips, six, one, two, three, four, five, six degrees. He doesn't end up there. He opens his own law firm. I mean, I don't know how to describe what Lovemore has achieved. It's for me, if I had my way, this man's name should have already been included in the book of, you know, genius. That, that's, that's all I can say, you know, to honor uh, Lovemore, you know, a fellow countryman who has never turned his back against his country, South Africa, despite the fact that things did not go the way he wanted to, the man is forever willing to lend his hand to fellow South Africans. He looks after fellow boxers who are struggling financially. I, for, <clears throat> I beg your pardon, you know, me personally, this man is never shy when I say to him, my brother, the sip is, shink, is, is actually sinking. Love more, kind-hearted somebody, very humble despite his humongous achievements. I am pleading because Australia has already inducted him in the Hall of Fame. In his country of birth, you know, Love Moore is a former three times world champion, a lawyer, and that's it. For now, I choose to stop there only to say to you, Love Moore. I hope and pray that one day when history books of boxing in this country and achievers, achievers outside boxing as human beings, your name will rank high, my brother. Thank you for that great introduction. You know, <clears throat> great words. Um, yes, uh, you know, it's, um, I'm actually excited to be speaking to you. <laughs> I've known you for so many years and, um, you know, to get where I am today, you know, it's because of people, you know, like you, you know, um, often people, you know, look at me and say, well, he's successful. Um, but I didn't get it on my own, you know, he was, um, he was through the help that I got from other people. And um, <clears throat> you're one of those people, you know, and uh, you're one of the people that encouraged me to get where I am today. So, you know, I I'm really pleased, you know, to be talking to you tonight. And, and, and thanks for that great, you know, introduction. Uh, let's get to the reason why we are talking the book. It's about the awareness that, you know, the future generations. I'm going to be brutal honest. We are on transit. Brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers have left us. It's a matter of time before we join them. We don't know when will we go. But the future generations, specifically a poor child, black child in this country, will lay their hands on this book. 
before I get to it, I just want to find out from you, Jen, why tough love when you could have easily chosen a title? For me, an appropriate title would have been Rags to Riches. Well, it's been a tough life, tough, tough life but still with love. You know, uh, that's the best way to describe it. You know, and I mean, it, it, if you look at the book, you know, the book it's all about my life journey. You know, from um, the little you know uh, shanty town of Musina, um, you know, and all the struggles that I know I um, overcame. You know, um, you know all the hurdles that you know I had to to go through to get where I am today. So you know. You could think of it as you know some tough love, so yeah, that's one of the that's that's the reason I you know I gave it the name tough love. It was the reason why. The reason why, champ, I am saying, if I were to be given you know the the golden opportunity to suggest a title, Rex to riches, it's because. I don't know your financial status, but if you were to sit back and look at the money you spend educating yourself, you would be far in terms of the digits in the bank. You are rich, my brother. Education, there is no one who can take it away from you. It's there forever, like I said, for generations, you know, to be motivated, specifically a poor child who is from... You know, the dungeon, no hope. Sometimes even contemplating committing suicide because there is no one to tend to. But you decided to pack your bags and go to a country where you knew no one. And look at you today. You, 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 your name rank among the greatest achievers in this whole world. Yeah, look, <clears throat> I agree with you, you know, when you say, um, you know, education is wealth. It, it definitely is wealth. You know, I, I always tell people that, uh, you know, it's great to have a great, you know, a sporting career and, and become a world champion, you know, um, but that's just statues, you know, and uh, along the way, you know, a young, hungry fighter, you know, that's better than you will come and beat you and take the title away, okay? But with education, no one will ever take your education away. You know, that's something you live with up until you die. So, yeah, you know, I would agree with you, you know, it was a great investment, you know, to invest in education. Um, and which is one of the reasons why I wrote the book, because, um, you know, I'm hoping to inspire some of, you know, the young up-and-coming people, young, young and up-and-coming, you know, um, children you know um you know um i'm trying to send a message out there to the youth um and and, and other sports people you know uh, in general um there, there are so many sad stories sad endings you know in in, in boxing um and and uh, i, I want to try and change that and make people realize that you know uh, you don't have to you know, finish your career as a pauper, you know, you know, if you invest properly, educate yourself, um, you know, you have something to fall back on at the end of your career. Um, and, and look, I'm hoping some kid is going to pick up this book one day 
read it and realize, you know, that, you know, life is not meant to be easy. You know, life is a journey. Life is, you know, it, it, it's like a circle. You know, one day you're up there, one day you're down there. But, you know, you keep moving. You don't stop. You know, and, and, and I think the biggest message I wanted to send out there um, is, you know, I, I need people to know that, um, you know, um, nothing is impossible in this world. You know, if you put your heart and soul into it and dedication, you know, um, if you think of, you know, my story, where I come from, you know, you know um, I come from a very, very poor family, you know, and when I say poor, I mean, to an extent that, you know, sometimes we'll go to bed, you know, without a meal, you know, for a day or two, you know, um, I had to walk to school bare feet, you know, and when eventually I could afford to buy school shoes, you know, I had to wear the same shoes to school, to church, you know, to any, any other event, you know, I would wear those shoes until they were smiling at me. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just how tough it was but um so but like every other child you know I, I always had a dream you know and and we all have dreams you know but it's only those who work towards their dreams that make their dreams come true you know um how often do you hear children you know saying oh when i grow up i want to be a doctor i want to be a pilot you know um I want to be a school teacher, you know, I want to be a lawyer. But it's only those, you know, who work towards their dream, who make it a reality, who make it come true. So, you know, um, you have, we all have dreams, but you got to work towards your dream. You know, so despite from coming from that, you know, uh, you know, poor, poor, you know, poor family, poor background, I had a dream. And I, you know, I, you know, I chased the dream. You know, I, I didn't just sit back and say, "I want to be a world champion," but not train like a world champion. I trained like a world champion to become a world champion. Okay, and I'm, I'm the first ever in a world champion to come from from Messina. There's never been one before. You know, and 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 and, and I, be, I remember when I was coming up, and I used to tell people that you know, one day I'm gonna be a world champion. And some people used to laugh at me, saying, "Now you're crazy." And I used to tell them, look, one day you're going to be sitting at home and you're going to be watching me on TV performing in Las Vegas. And some people used to laugh at me, you know, but I pursued, you know, you know, um, you know, I chased my dream. You know, I, I, I believed, you know, I worked hard, you know, and I ended up becoming a world champion, you know, and, and, and I think the other thing with me, it's, um, you know, when I when I want to do something, I I want to be really good at it. You know, I, I didn't want to. For example, I just didn't want to be, you know, known as um, the local champion or, or someone who wants one in a provincial title. No, 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 no. I wanted to become a world champion, and I I didn't just want to win one one world title. I wanted to win, you know one or two or three, you know, two or three world, you know, world titles. And the same thing, you know, when I, when I educated myself, you know, I just didn't want to have one degree, you know, and I wanted to pursue, you know, um, and, and have as many degrees as I possibly can, 
you know, when I started my law firm, you know, when I became a lawyer, I didn't want to work for anybody for the rest of my life. You know, I wanted to start my own practice, you know, and assist other people and give them, you know, an opportunity to work, you know. Um, that's just my way of thinking. And I would like to see some young children, you know, to think their way. And, and I can tell them right now, you know, if they think their way, you know, the world is theirs. And that's one of the, that's the biggest message I'm trying to send in, you know, uh, from this book, you know. Um, look, I was born in South Africa during, you know, uh, apartheid, you know. Um, so it was really tough, you know better than I do. <laughs> you know, it was really tough, you know, uh, for us, you know, uh, Africans, you know, during, um, during apartheid. And, and, but, you know, I, I witnessed, you know, a lot of atrocities, you know, committed you know, against my friends, you know, family members, you know. Um, I have a friend that actually died in arms, you know, when he got shot by the police. You know, I was a victim, you know, of police brutality. You know, I still carry a scar on my face every day. You know, um, they, they, they broke my arm, you know, almost my boxing career almost ended before it even started, you know. Um, <clears throat> but despite that, you know, I always, you know, try to turn, you know, the negative into a positive, you know. One thing that people don't really, a lot of people don't know, which I share in my book, you know, I didn't start school until I was nine years of age. You know that that's you that, that that's actually late to start school. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and but I didn't want that to stop me from you know, you know, pursuing you know my my dreams. You know, um, the message being you know, it doesn't really matter you know whether you have a bad start in life, but if you work hard, you know, you could actually do better than those who had a better start in life. Okay. You know, it, it goes, often when people ask me about boxers, you know, to define boxers, what type of boxers do I know? You know, um, I always say there are three types of boxers, you know, the natural talented, the less talented but works hard, the natural talented that doesn't, you know, work hard. Now, you find, you know, the natural talented that really work hard, you know, they go on to become pound for pound the best fighters in the world like Mayweather, okay, he's talented, natural, he's got natural talent, but he works really hard, you know, makes him a great fighter, you know, he's, he's pound for pound the best. And then you got a lot of, you got some other fighters that are natural talented, <clears throat> you know, but it's so lazy, you know, but then what happens, you know, the less talented ones that really, really work hard, you know, end up doing better, you know, uh, outperforming, the natural talents who are lazy, okay? It's the same, you know, with, uh, you know, with your life. You know, you could have a, a bad start in life, but if you work hard, you could actually outperform those, you know, who had a better start in life, you know? And, and if you look at my life, you know, that's exactly how, you know, it turned out. You know, I, you know, I, I had to work hard to get where I am today. So, you know, I, I'm hoping even with boxing, you know, um, it wasn't all smooth, you know. Um, you know, um, I had to go through a lot, you know. I, I talk a lot, you know, it's all in my book, you know. I, I had to deal with some managers and promoters, you know. Um, 
we, we you know we, we, the sport you know in it, in itself it's full of cutouts you know uh, most managers you know some managers and promoters you know will sell their own mother for a dollar you know um so it, it's all about you know um making money you know at the expense of a firearm so I, you know, I, I had to deal with some of the promoters and managers, you know, um, um, you know, who behaved their way. Uh, I talk about it in my book. So it wasn't a smooth ride, you know. Uh, and, and I mean, for example, you know, I had fights, you know, um, a good example it was when I fought Shambe uh, Mitchell um, in Atlantic City. You know, a fight that I took on a, on a week's notice, um, you know, um, anyone that watched the fight, you know, will tell you that I actually won that fight because, you know, I'm, I beat him, but I didn't get the decision, you know, just the politics in the sports. Now, this is the funny thing, you know, um, years later, I won the same title. Now, the promoter that was, who promoted that fight, who was actually managing Shambay Mitchell at the time, wanted to sign me up, you know. And then he actually said to me, you know what, Lamo, you know, when you fought, when you fought Shamba, had you signed up with me then, you would have won the world title. You would have walked away with the world title. <laughs> what does that tell you? That, you know, I actually won the, you know, the fight, but because of the politics involved, they took it away from me. But despite that, I didn't give up, you know, and, and that's the whole mess, another message I'm trying to send, you know, to, to people out there, you know, don't never give up. You know, you're gonna have a lot of setbacks in life, you know, but just always remember they're, all, they're always preparing you for some success in the future. So I didn't give up, you know, after that, you know, I could have walked away and say, well, why am I wasting my time, you know, in this sport, you know, you know, uh, if, you know, if I'm gonna, you know, get robbed all the time. Um, but I didn't, you know, that's just one example I'm giving, you know, uh, you know, I've had some other bad dealings, you know, with promoters, um, you know, even in Australia, you know, I was working with one of the, you know, at the time he was a top promoter, Bill Modi. And, um, you know, for, for years, you know, um, I kept winning, you know, I was, I was sitting at number two WBC in the world, but I was never getting a shot at the title. You know, um, and, and I was thinking to myself, and I was just sitting there watching, you know, the title changing hands, you know, and, and I was thinking, oh, what's going on? You know, I'm, I'm sitting at number two, you know, and he kept telling me, yeah, yeah, you're going to fight for the world title, you're going to fight for the world title. But then I realized, you know, that um, years later, I found out that um, he actually had, um, you know, he had, um, he had a deal, he had a contract, you know, with one of the you know uh, the sports uh, sport net sports networks here in Australia, where you know they would actually pay you him an X amount of money every month uh, for as long as he had me and another fighter, Sheldon Taylor, uh, you know, as part of his promotional company. And then what he would do, you know, one month they would have me fighting headlining the show. The following month they would have Shannon headlining the show, and he was getting paid a lot of money, so he knew that, you know, if he had given me the opportunity to fight for the world title, and, you know, if I, if I won the world title, then I would demand more money. And if he didn't give me the money, I'll probably walk away, you know, and go with other promoters. 
and and we had a clause there in the contract, you know, that demanded him to pay me more if if I won the world title. So you know, he was playing the game, you know, just holding me back, and uh, and eventually we had a we had a fallout, and and one of the reasons why you know um he really had control on me was because when I went to Australia, you know, I, I was on what used to be called a distinguished talent visa. So, you know, with a distinguished talent visa, it meant that you know, I, I, had, I had to show that I had distinguished talent. So I had to keep on winning my fights, you know. Um, but he was also my sponsor through the immigration. So, you know, he kept threatening me if I didn't do what he wanted, you know, he would, would you know, pull out my sponsorship at the immigration. That would mean that, would mean that I now get put on the first plane back to South Africa. You know, um, so eventually, you know, when I became a permanent resident, you know, I just told him, you know what? No, I'm not fighting anymore. Okay, you know, either you release me or you allow me to buy myself out of the contract, you know, um, but he wouldn't, you know. So I ended up being, you know, um, I had to just sit back for almost 14 months, you know, um, out of action. I had to sit back until my contract ran out. But something great came out of that, you know, something positive. And this is where I'm trying to explain that, you know, um, you know, in life, you know, you're going to have some setbacks, you know, but always remember those, that, you know, those setbacks, you know, prepares you for something great. You know, it was during that time that, you know, uh, you know, I had, these contractual problems with this promoter, that you know what I decided I'm gonna go study. You know, I thought to myself, you know what, I'm not, I'm not just gonna sit back and waste, you know, the whole fourteen months. You know, that's when I went and enrolled myself at university. You know, uh, at first I was gonna do a communications degree. I was thinking of doing journalism. You know, <laughs> and I recall, um, you know, um, I, 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 you know, I, I read an assignment. You know, um, it was an essay. Um, and um, I was talking about, um, um, you know, the situation in South Africa. It's, it's funny because I'm always, you know, <laughs> even at school, most of my assignments were always based on, you know, on South Africa. And, um, you know, I was arguing, you know, the issue about, um, you know, poverty, you know, in South Africa, you know, and I was arguing that, you know, South Africa, you know, Africa, you know, including South Africa, you know, it's, it's, it's Africa's not a poor, you know, continent, you know, Africa is actually a very, very rich continent, you know, it's full of, you know, natural resources, you know, uh, but, you know, Africa is poor because it's been poorly governed, you know, uh, and, um, and, and I, I also argued that, you know, you know, the biggest problem is, you know, there is an unequal uh, distribution, you know, of natural resources. So to cut the story short, you know, my lecturer read, you know, my, um, you know, my assignment and she called, called me aside, you know, she said, Lamo, you know, I think, you know, you should consider, you know, studying law or, you know, mm -hmm. politics. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, yeah. but I already had it in my mind, you know, because of another incident that happened back in South Africa when I was about 16. Oh, you know, it was always my idea that, you know, someday I might become a lawyer. But at that time, I was thinking of, go, you know, going into journalism. But when she told me that, then I just thought, you know what? Hmm, maybe I should enroll in law. And then, you know, the following year, I enrolled in a double degree in law and communications. 
And um, I just kept on studying, you know. But the point I'm trying to make here, again, you know, is the, those issues I had with the promoter, even though I didn't fight for 14 months, you know, prepared me for a great, you know, for, for a career in the future. You know, look at me today, I'm a lawyer, you know. You know, I'm, probably, you know, I'm one of the most educated people, you, 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 you know, uh, educated athletes, you know. Um, so don't ever give up, you know, because, you know, you have a bit of a set, you know, a setback. And, and even with boxing, you know, even with that, you know, I, when I stopped fighting for 14 months, you know, um, remember at the time I was sitting at number two WBC. So when I eventually, you know, um, got released from the contract and I was free to fight again, I had lost my ranking. Yeah. Okay. From coming from number two in the world to nowhere in the world. So yeah. I had to start all over again. Yeah. Okay. So it's like starting all over again from fresh. And um, it wasn't easy, you know, because I had to travel overseas, you know, in America, you know, fighting, you know, you know, you know, when, whenever you're fighting in a foreign country, you know, you're always treated as an opponent, you know, um, you know, um, it's not easy to win in a, in a foreign country. But I had to rebuild my career, you know, so I didn't just give up. I could have given up and said, you know what, I'm a permanent resident now. I don't need to fight. No, I'm, I'm studying. I don't need to fight, you know, um, but no, no, no. You know, because I, I had my, my mindset, I knew what I wanted in life, you know, uh, and I, I, I've set my goals in life and I've pursued them. So, you know, I'm, that's, that's, what, that's another message, you know, that I'm trying to send out in the book. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm saying to myself, one thing that you are basically sharing with the world of boxing and the country at large and human beings in general. You know, if you are employed to be a sweeper, do your sweeping the best you could or you can Love it, enjoy it, but try to pursue your dream. Basically, what I'm trying to say is what I picked up from this well-written book. Or oh, before I get to that, let me start by correcting you, my brother. You keep saying the message, I am trying. And you go as far as to say, I hope. Let me tell you. You are not trying to send any message. You have already sent it successfully. One. Two, don't hope the book will inspire. It has already done that. Let me share a, a short story. My daughter, she's 17 years old, my last born. She sits with me to watch boxing every Friday. I end up, you know, talking serious stuff to her about boxing. These guys, you know, they, they don't get the recognition that they deserve. To be a boxer, it takes, you know, it takes everything. Boxers by right should not be compared to footballers 
because football is a team sport, you get past the ball, you give it to to your teammate and you can relax. Whereas in boxing, it's you and that man. And that man wants to kill you. Everything with boxing is pain. Sacrifices, hard work, pain from the gym, pain from sparring, preparing for the fight, pain to get that fight, pain to be paid your money, pain to share your money. It's all about pain. Yet when these guys, the boxers, get paid their past monies, 99% of them, they misuse their money. I don't know whether it's because they have been you know, suffering for quite some time before they get a fight to be able to earn some money. So she knows a lot. The day I came uh, home with the book and she looked at it, I told her the story. Guess what? That book became her book because she knew a lot about books. And she says to me, Dad, but you've told me terrible stories about boxers getting paid millions, this and that, but they die as paupers. Here is this uh, uncle. You're saying he's got six degrees. He's a lawyer. He owns his own law firm, which simply means then that there is a lot to be done in boxing. But the problem is maybe these boxers needed someone like Uncle Lovemore to write this book. Can you please hand over this book to me and make it my book. It's her book. You have already inspired her. I know for the fact that she has already shared the story with her schoolmates. You've done it successfully, my brother. Don't doubt it. You've, you, 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 you've encouraged, you've inspired, you, you have sent the message loud and clear. The one thing I want to find out from you before I go back to where I was, despite all your humongous uh, achievements, love more. What makes you to remain this humble self and a modest human being? Look, um, I think it just comes, it's natural. That's just the person I am. You know, and uh, and I would like to be, you know, um, I, I would like people to think of me you know, um, as a good person. Okay. Look, um, I, I, I was really touched by what you said about your daughter. I'm pleased to hear that, you know, my book is already, you know, inspiring, you know, um, some youth out there, you know, some teenagers out there, um, Look, I, I remember you and I once had a conversation before, and and um, and these were your words. You know, you say to me, um, you know, I'm the voice of the voiceless. Yeah. And and and, and this is because you know we, you and I were talking about um, you know that I've got this ability you know to speak to people and share my story, you know. Um, the thing is, you know, we, we all have stories. We all have a story to tell. But no one, not everybody gets the opportunity to tell their story. So I, I'm pretty lucky, you know, to be in a position where I could share my, my story. And, and um, what I've experienced is not unique. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of people who've experienced worse than what I've experienced in life. You know, um, um, and, and, and 
I was a victim of apartheid like everybody else. <clears throat> but this is what I always tell people, you know, uh, and, 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 and this is a message I want, you know, people to get, you know, they got to get this message into their head. Yes, apartheid was wrong. You know, I don't condone, you know, apartheid at all. But um, the thing is, you know, when you break it down, when you look at it, you know, apartheid is not just a problem of South Africa. You know, apartheid is a problem of the whole world. You know, just because it's not written into legislation doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It does exist, you know. And I always tell people, you know, um, and I, I write about it in my book as well. You know, um, as far as I'm concerned, you know, if you taught someone from excelling, you know, because of their skin color, uh, their gender, you know, their sexual preference, you know, that's a form of apartheid. You know, if you say, I won't work with that guy because he's white, but that guy's never done anything wrong by you. That's a form of apartheid. If you say, I won't work with that guy because he's Zulu, I won't work, work with the Zulu people, but they've never done anything wrong by you. That's apartheid. Mm. If you say, I'm not going to work with her, she's a lesbian. Oh, I don't like that guy, he's gay. But he's never done anything wrong by you. That's yeah. a form of apartheid. So, the point I'm trying to make is apartheid is a problem of the world. Yes, we were exposed to apartheid, but we can't keep blaming everything on apartheid. Okay? Yeah. You know, it's been more than 26 years, you know, since South Africa became a democratic state. You know, but if you look at the current situation in South Africa today, you know, truth be told, you know, it's way worse than when, you know, than this, you know, the, the, the situation, you know, during, you know, apartheid, you know, people had jobs, you know, when we had that racist regime. Okay, look at what's happening today. Okay, um, people are struggling. You know, I could talk about, you know, the current, you know, rioting that's going on, the current looting that's going on. You know, if, if you come, you know, if, if you look at it, you know, you ask yourself, you know, was the whole thing really about Zuma? You know, it mm. all started as a free Zuma campaign, but then it turned into looting. Why? Mm. It's simple because people are frustrated. Mm. People are frustrated by a government that's failed them. Okay, it's been 26 years, like I said, 26 years later, you know, you still have people, you know, living in shacks. You know, you still have a, you know, child going to bed, you know, without a meal. Okay. You know, and I always tell people, you know, the worst thing that ever happened in South Africa, you know, was the introduction of the black economic empowerment. Okay. It was a great idea. Okay. And I think the intention was great, but... The only people that really benefited from it, you know, is those in power. Mm. Now, this is where it went wrong. You know, it allowed them to test the lifestyle that they were not used to without even having to work for it. Mm. Okay. Now, to maintain that lifestyle, they had to steal from the public. Okay. And that's where corruption started. 
Okay, they have to maintain that lifestyle that they tasted without having to work for it. So you gotta continue stealing to maintain that lifestyle. You know, and that's where the problem is. Now, you have an issue of self-enrichment and then you've got a government that's, you know, that's continually promising people, you know, um, but not delivering, yeah. okay? So you look at the whole thing about looting, it's just people frustrated. People are just frustrated. And, and I can tell you where it comes down to, you know, and, and African people, okay? We're not lazy people, we're hardworking people. Okay, if we're given an opportunity, we will always excel. Okay, the problem is Africans are denied opportunities. They they denied that equal opportunity, and which has been a problem. You know, it was a problem during apartheid. It's a problem now. You know when you know when during this democratic South Africa. Um, and I'm a good example, you know, to prove that, you know, that when you're given, you know, the kind of opportunity, you can always excel. And I had to travel overseas to find, you know, equal opportunity. I had to move abroad, you know. I came to Australia, you know, and um, there was, you know, opportunities for me. They, you know, to educate myself, I educated myself. Okay, and 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 opportunities for me to work, you know, and excel in life and succeed. That's what South Africans need. They just need that equal opportunity, you know. Um, they don't need. Um, they're not asking for free handouts. Okay, but what's going on now is because of frustration, you know, because they've been failed. Okay, now, going back to what I said earlier on, you know, we, we can't really keep blaming everything on, on apartheid and we can't keep on making everything about race. Okay, you know, you've got um, some leaders, you know, who make, they turn everything into race. Okay, if your car doesn't start, you're gonna blame it on, you know, on a white man. Okay, let's stop making everything about race. Let's work together. Let's move forward. You know, I had to come to a foreign country. You know, this is the funny thing, and I actually write about it in my book. You know, um, I, I recall when I first, you know, because this is the this is how I ended up in in Australia. You know, um, I had an opportunity to, you know, uh, fight in Australia in 1995. Um, so. I traveled to Australia for the first time, um, but I recall before I left Australia, I, I mean, before I left South Africa, I did some research, you know, about Australia. And um, one of the things I found out was, uh, you know, Australia used to have um, um, a keep Australia wide policy. So I, I remember thinking to myself, oh, I might be making a mistake here. But I was thinking, you know, oh, I'll probably get treated the same way you know, I was treated in South Africa back then because I was black. So I was a bit cautious, you know. Um, but but I remember, you know, when I got to Australia, you know, um, people didn't see color in me. 
people saw a human being, okay? And that's what made me fall in love with the country, you know? And I remember after that, you know, um, after I came back to South Africa following that fight, I thought, you know what? I'm moving to Australia. And that's exactly what I did. You know, um, I, I came here, I worked hard, you know, um, I had the opportunity to work hard and that's why I'm where I am today. Now, my fellow South Africans, then, you know, you need to stop making everything about race. And uh, my fellow South African leaders, you need to provide people with opportunities because there is a lot of talent in South Africa. There is a lot of talent there, whether it's sports, you know, or just anything else or education or music or anything. There's a lot of talent, but, you know, you can have all the talent, but without, you know, getting a break in life, without the opportunity, you're going nowhere with it, you know, with the talent. Yeah. I'm sitting here listening to you, my brother, and there's something that comes into my mind. This book is not meant for sports people. This book is meant for human beings. It's educational. Has it not crossed your mind, love more, that you and the, the publisher you know, try and forge some working relationship with the Department of Education in South Africa where this book can be available to every up-and-coming, you know, uh, child in South Africa, not because you want to encourage them to become lawyers, but you want to say to them, if you dream it, you can make it. Yes, uh, look, I've had that discussion already, you know, with, um, you know, my publishers, you know, Jonathan Ball publishers. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm great. I'm, I'm actually happy and I've got a great team working with me, you know, um, um, in, 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 in Australia. Actually, you know, there are two versions of this book, but it's the same book, you know, um, if you look there are two covers so if you look at this, yeah. this cover this this is yeah. this is what was you know uh, published in um in australia sure okay and then in, in south africa you've got this one so uh in australia the book was published by new hollander uh publishes and uh, in uh, south africa it's jonathan ball publishes and believe me they've been both you know both publishers have been a great team to work with and we are always sharing ideas you know, as to how to, to, you know, to move forward with the book. And I've also got a great team working with me, you know, especially my, I've got a great agent, you know, in um, uh, Arthur Stanley, um, you know, who's always pushing, you know, uh, to get things happening. Look, to answer your question, yes, um, it, it did cross our mind, our minds, you know, about, you know, um, uh, approaching, you know, the Department of, you know, of Education. Uh, but knowing you know, the, the, the problems you always have in South Africa, it's, um, you know, going back to corruption and all that, uh, you know, I don't think it's going to be easy to convince them, you know, 
to buy the book and give it to students. So what I'm going to do myself, I've, you know, I've already told the publishers, I'm going to donate some of the books to some schools. Great. Share my story. You know, like I said, you know, um, I didn't look. I didn't write the book with an intention to make money. Mm. I wrote the book with an intention to share a story with others, you know, again, hoping that, you know, you might, you know, encourage someone, you know, to work hard. Okay. Uh, it might inspire someone. So, yes, I'm, I'm personally going, you know, to donate some of the books, you know, to some schools, you know, um, um, and, and I'm hoping, you know, some, you know, something good will come out of it. And, and again, you know, and I agree with you, you know, um, when I wrote this book, you know, it wasn't just about boxing. Okay, boxing mm -hmm. is just a part of it. You know, mm -hmm. this book covers everything from politics, you know, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you know, um, anything. It covers everything, even my personal life. You know, I even share my own personal, you know, um, um, my, my personal life. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's not just a book for, you know, for athletes. It's not just a book for boxers. It's not just a book for sports people. You know, it covers everything in general. One other important thing you, you, you mentioned, my brother, uh, you keep mentioning is, you know, you don't see color, Oslat didn't see color in you. I think it's, it's uh, proper of me, you know, to commend you for saying that because you don't just say it, you live it. I mean, you've, you've helped a number of South Africans uh, beyond color line, I'm talking boxers. Tommy Oster, the list is endless, and we've written stories about that. So you know, I'm saying you 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 don't just talk, but you walk the talk. You know, and uh, I, I I don't know what will it take for our country, you know, to to kind of give you the respect, the recognition that you, you, you deserve. It's long overdue. I mean, I personally feel I, I, look, I, I, I feel you, my brother. I feel you, but um, I, I'm, I'm not about recognition. You know, um, I always believe as long as the man upstairs recognizes what I'm doing and is happy with what I'm doing, then I'm happy. You know, um, so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not really bothered about, you know, getting the recognition in South Africa for what I do for my South African people. No, no, no. I do things because I feel I came into this world, you know, for a reason, for a purpose, you know, um, and, and, and that's exactly what I'm doing, you know. Um, like, you know, like you look what's happening now in South Africa, you know, with the looting, you know, like that. One of the things that I'm doing, I'm in having discussions with my publishers, so you know we can donate some of the, you know, um, proceeds or sale of these books, you know, towards rebuilding, you know, the economy. Uh, so, you know, the money will go towards, you know, helping those people who lost their businesses, you know, uh, to, to rebuild their businesses. And if they do that, you know, people who lost their jobs, you know, might get their jobs back, you know, and and and. and 
I know for a fact, I'm not surprised, you know, I know for a fact that some of the people that lost their businesses were not insured. They don't have insurance. So it's going to be really hard, you know, for them to get their businesses up and running again. Um, and and I, don't, I don't expect them to get much assistance from the government, you know. Um, and, and if they do get the, the assistance, you know, there'll be a few chosen ones who will get that assistance, you know, um, which has always been the case, you know. Um, and, and, and I can tell you right now, you know, um, there's already been a press release out there. I've actually, you know, um, I'm going to be making a comeback in boxing, you know. Um, I'm going to get involved in, uh, uh, um, in a number of, you know, boxing exhibitions, you know, to raise money, you know, towards, you know, rebuilding the South African economy. Uh, you know, um, this is a time, you know, when, you know, the world should come together and assist South Africa. You know, um, what, you know, it, what's happening now, you know, it's actually happening at a time when, you know, um, the South African economy needs revival, you know, uh, because of, you know, the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. And, 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 and the sad thing about what's currently happening now it's, you know, it's going to push, you know, potential international investors away. You know, um, think of it this way, you know, if I'm a potential investor and then I'm thinking I'm going to go invest in South Africa, you know, and create jobs for people. But um, then, I, then I look, I see in the news people destroying other people's businesses. You know, I'll be thinking twice about doing that. You know, um, so people need to refrain, you know, from that conduct and, you know, uh, and behavior because, you know, you're just making things worse for yourself. But again, like I said earlier, when, you know, it comes down to frustration. People are just frustrated, you know. So I'm going to play my part, you know, to try, you know, and, and revive the, you know, the Australian, I mean, the South African economy. And, and if it means putting my own health at risk, I will do that, you know, because this is my country of birth. Uh, my brother, any, haven't you had any, for the lack of a better word, thought or aspiration of coming back home and get involved in politics? Actually, I am coming back home. I will be coming back home in the future. And yes, I will be getting into politics. Yes, in, uh, with the intention of trying to change things for the better, to try and assist people. You know, yes, I'm definitely coming back home in the future. <laughs> And uh, maybe one other thing that might, you know, help you to kind of raise money to help South Africans at the same time, make sure that your, that your legacy lives on. A thought from me, a love mondo belt that will be contested for by all African champions. Yeah, it's something we can do. That that's yeah, sounds sounds great. That's that can be done. I don't see any difficulties with that. That can be done. But you know, my thing is all about um, education. Mm. Okay. So if I ever get back, if I ever get into politics in South Africa, the first thing I'll be looking at it will be education. You know, I'll be trying to see that you know every child is educated, and that when you talk about free education, you really mean free education. Okay, uh, make sure every child gets free education. Um, so that, and then, you know, the other thing 
Look, the biggest problem in South Africa, you know, and I, I think, you know, um, the current governing government, you know, um, the current government is not listening to people. Okay. So the first thing will be to, you need to listen to people. Go around, ask people what their problems are. Ask, you know, what can you do to assist them? You know, um, no one is listening to the people. Okay, so the first thing will be to go around, talk to the people, listen to the people, find out what their problems are, find out how you, what you can do to assist, and then, you know, work on that. Okay, the other problem in South Africa that I would really work on, you know, it's, um, you know, crime. You know, but we all know where crime is coming from. You know, people are hungry. Mm. You know, when yeah. people are hungry, they'll do anything to survive. So if you can educate people, you know, and they have jobs and you create jobs for them, you know, then there'll be less crime. Okay. And the other issue that really, really concerns me in South Africa is the issue of domestic violence. Mm. You know, um, you know, you've got, you've got people in power, you've got, you know, people in power committing, you know, domestic violence. You know, they're not setting good examples. You've got the police, people in the police force committing, you know, domestic violence. So if I ever come back to South Africa and I get into politics, that's one of the things that I'm going to be tackling. You know, um, domestic violence is a very, very, is a serious concern that needs to stop. You know, um, yeah, so no, I, I am definitely coming back to South Africa in the future. And, um, you know, I do talk about it in my book as well, you, mm. know, uh, that, you know, about my future aspirations, you know, coming back to South Africa. Chem, uh, take me to, you know, a courtroom. A boxer, you bob and weave, you throw the jab, you move around, you cut the corner, you have your men against the ropes, you bombard him with punches, the referee jumps in between you, the two of you, he stops the fight, you walk away with the prize. Bam, you're the winner courtroom that experience share it with me look i think one of the things you know um i'm trying to prove or that i've already proved to people that uh you know um athletes or boxes we can also be academics if we choose to mm. you know um i think um you know, often fighters, you know, boxers or footballers, you know, are often seen as buffets. Yeah. You know, and I needed to show and prove to people that, you know, no, we can actually be, you know, we can do anything we want to do and we can be just as ed educated as anyone else out there. You know, um, and this, the, the funny thing is, um, you know, often people ask me, but, you know, how do you do it? You know, how did you manage pursuing, you know, a full-time career, you know, boxing career, you know, while at the time, same time you were studying. You know, what people mm. don't really realize is that, you know, you know, I was also raising my children single-handedly. Mm. Okay. So, and I always tell people that um, it's all about make, you know, um, managing your time. You know, if you set a timetable and stick by the timetable, you know, any, anything is possible. So, here I was, you know, I was training about six hours a day. 
as a professional boxer. Okay, so I would train about two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon, two hours in the evening, you know, because it was my full-time job. But I was raising my children, but I was studying as well, you know. And, mm. and there were, I recall there were times when I would have to travel. <laughs> I should talk about it in my book, you know. I'd be tra traveling overseas, you know, for fights. You know, often my bag, you know, would be full of, you know, law books. You know, often mm. when some people, you know, when you travel, your suitcase is full of, you know, your training mm. equipment, your clothes to change and all that. You know, my book was, my bag was always full of law books. And I remember at the customs, sometimes at the customs, they'll be asking, where, where are you going with all these books? <laughs> and I had to explain mm -hmm. to them, now I'm studying law. And uh, so what I would do is in between training, you know, I would go train, you know, after training, I would just go lay back in my hotel room and study, you know, uh, so it can be done. Look, um, it wasn't easy switching from boxing to law, you know, and, um, and, and, and again, you know, uh, and believe me, remember I told you earlier on, you know, that apartheid is a problem of the whole world. You know, uh -huh. I've experienced some sort of, you know, um, apartheid in, in Australia, some sort of, you know, form of, you know, what you could, you know, what amounts to racial discrimination. You know, and I'll give you an example. You know, I remember when I first became a lawyer, you know, I would walk into a courtroom and I would go, uh, you know, sit at the, you know, at the bench and the court officer would walk up to me and say to me, ah, oh, no, 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 uh, you should sit at the back. This is for lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is reserved for lawyers. So I, yeah. it, it used to piss me off in the beginning and I would think, yeah. oh, okay, just because I'm black, I can't be a lawyer. You know, and, and some, some, some court, officer, court officer would walk up to me and say, uh, and ask me, you know, outright, you know, um, are you a lawyer? Because only lawyers should be sitting here. And I'll be looking around, I'm thinking, why don't you ask all these other Caucasian people if they're lawyers? Mm. You know, uh, th mm. That in itself, you know, it's a form of, you know, um, you know, it's a form of apartheid. You know, it's a form mm. of you know, racial discrimination. You know, uh, um, I recall it used to piss me off really bad. But you know what, I, I started thinking to myself, you know, you know, you know, I shouldn't really, you know, be getting angry all the time, you know, because of this. So, you know, I, I thought to myself, you know, I need to apply some reverse psychology. You know, I remember one day I walked back into the courtroom and um, court officer walks up to me and says, you know, um, are you a lawyer? So I looked at her, instead of getting angry, I looked at her and said, yeah, damn good one. And sexy as F. <laughs> <laughs> So she remembered that, <laughs> you know. So everybody started talking about it in the courtroom, you know. So it's like everybody knew the story. Every time I walked into, into the courtroom, people always laughed, you know, smiled at me because they got to know me. So, you know, instead of getting angry about it, you know, I applied some reverse psychology in a nice way. And, um, you know, everybody loves me now, you know. Um, I don't even, you know, some courtrooms, people just know who I am when I walk in, some of the magistrates, some of the judges, you know, I don't even have to introduce myself, they already know who I am, you know. Uh, you know, I'll give you another example, you know, of, um, you know, uh, what could amount to, you know, uh, a form of, you know, racial profiling, you know. Um, I, I used to date, you know, um, 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 a Caucasian, a white girl, you know, and I remember one day, you know, we, we were um, 
we went for a walk, you know, uh, we were walking in the street and then I actually write about it in my book, it's in my book as well. You know, we were walking um, and then we, we came to you know, uh, some traffic lights. Um, uh, in South Africa, you call them robots. Yeah. <laughs> traffic lights. <laughs> so yeah. We, we came to the traffic lights and um, it so happened that, you know, the traffic lights were just next to a police station. Now, we were waiting for the lights to go green and then these two guys, drive, they drive next to us, they stop their car, two, you know, white guys, two Caucasians, you know, and one of them, you know, he rolls the window down, you know, says to us, hey, Tupac. So we ignore mm. them. Mm. Yeah, I said it again, hey, Tupac, you know, we ignore them. Mm. You know, and um, one of them, you know, to get a step further, I said, hey, Tupac's, you know, Tupac's B, referring to my girlfriend, you know, Tupac's mm. B, you know, you know, you li- you like big, you know, black sea, you know. Mm. So mm. that kind of pissed me off, you know. I'm okay, you know. You can they can say that to me, well, you know. I'm okay, and you know, I can deal with that. But you are not going to insult my partner. You are not mm. going to insult my family member. You are not going to insult, you know, a female in front of me, you know. So that's when I lost it, and I said to them, you know, yeah. So does your mother. So they got out of the car, they were going to attack me. So my girlfriend runs into the police station, which is just across the road. You know, she tells them, you know, look, there are two guys out there, you know, attacking my boyfriend. Okay. You know, I'm in the street, I'm all ready to fight. <laughs> you know, the cops come out running. You know, yeah, guess who they grabbed? So the cops come running, they grab me, they throw me on the ground, okay? You know, it wasn't up until, you know, my girlfriend said to them, no, you fools, you know, I'm talking about, you know, as I told you, those two guys are attacking my, you know, my boyfriend. So how did they mistaken one black guy for two guys attacking, you know, the boyfriend? So to me, there was some form of, you know, racial profiling. Um, you know, it wasn't up until, you know, the, you know, the, the, the station manager, you know, um, came out and, you know, uh, and, you know, and actually I told the guys, do you know who this guy is? You know, do you know who you, you really want to get into a fight with him? You know, and, and they started apologizing. And they asked me if I want to press charges, but I said no. But I felt really down. I felt like I was back in South Africa. I felt like I was... You know, going through what I you know, experienced, you know, during apartheid. Um, but, you know, can I draw a conclusion that, you know, Australia is a racist country because of that? No. I no. And I'm not going to draw a conclusion that, you know, Australia, you know, is a racist country because of the experience I had in the courtroom with the court officer. No. You know, but the thing is, there are some bad apples out there. Okay, and these bad apples apply everywhere. Okay, so I can't really draw a conclusion that you know the country is racist because of that. Okay, same thing in South Africa. You know, you can't really draw a conclusion that you know everybody is racist because you know of what we experienced in the past. Okay, it was really bad. You know, during apartheid. You know, um, but you know, not 
you know, I end up honest with you, some of my best friends during apartheid were white people. Okay. Uh, and some of them, you know, I had friends there who would actually stand up for me, you know, if someone was making racial comments towards me and, and they were white, you know, so there's bad apples everywhere, mm. you know. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, now look, I, I enjoy what I do as a lawyer and I talk about it in my book, you know, um, I, I, I give back to the community. That's my, you know, I do a lot of pro bono work for indigenous people. Uh, that's my way of giving back to the community. Um, for me, it's also a way of, you know, thanking them, you know, for welcoming them in me in their country. Uh, you know, and I, I always think of, you know, indigenous people, and I'm talking about Aboriginal people in Australia. Um, when I look at them, you know, I always see there's some similarities between my life and their life. You know, uh, they've gone through what I went through, you know, and they are still going through it, some of it. Uh, and that's why I always feel, you know, um, especially when it comes you know, to incarceration, you know, you look at the incarceration rates, you know, of Aboriginal people, you know, they, you know there's just so many of them, you know, incarcerated. Uh, and, and, and I feel, you know, uh, somebody should help them, you know. So I do a lot of, you know, pro bono work for them. Uh, my areas of specialty are actual family law and criminal law. Um, so I love what I do. I enjoy it. And um, yeah, you know, you never know. I might even open up some law firms in South Africa in the future. <laughs> but, you know, if you really want to hear more, know more about, you know, you know, what I do in Australia, you know, get the book. It's all in there. Wow. This is, this is amazing, love more. And uh, I, I don't know what to say except to ask you, what would you love us to do in order to make an awareness to South Africans about this book? And where, how can they, you know, South Africans get this book? And when will it be launched in the country? Well, we're launching it right now. <laughs> oh. Look, <laughs> it's been released. <laughs> I believe it's already been released. I believe it's already on the shelves out there. Um, uh, so, and I believe you can, you know, buy it from, you know, um, bookshops. And you can also buy it online. Um, yeah, and if, if, if you're really, you know, if you can always contact, you know, Jonathan Ball Publishers, they'll be able to assist you as well in relation to where to find it, you know, to get the book. But it's out there already. Can you show us the cover again so that people can recognize it on the shelves? There See, we go. Good there. <laughs> Looking very distinguished. <laughs> Looking <laughs> just like... He, you can now. easily mistake him for my... You can easily mistake him for my diva, eh? <laughs> now, that's a big shoe to feel. <laughs> that's a really big shoe to feel. My brother, you don't have to. The... No, carry on. No, okay. No, I wanted to you say he doesn't have to feel Matiba's shoes. He is special in his own right. Definitely. Yes, now he's always Definitely. been a look my lifetime hero. You know, if you look at my lifestyle, you know, it's um always following his footsteps, you know. I, you know, there's a lot of similarities in what I'm, you know. If you look at my lifestyle, I'm actually guided by what Mandela has done. You know, he's always going to be my lifetime hero, which really saddens me to see what's happening in South Africa today. 
you know, it saddens me to see that, you know, all that hard work that, you know, he did, you know, even sacrificing, you know, his life in, in, in custody, you know, for 27 years, you know, sacrificing, you know, his, you know, his life with his family. You know, the saddest thing that could ever happen to a man, you know, is being unable to, you know, see your children grow, you know, spend time with your children. That man did it all, you know, and fighting for a better South Africa. But then today, I see all that hard work going down the drain. It saddens me. Closing uh, thought, no, but a remark. I don't know what came into Love, Love Mondo's mind to actually ask me to write something. If you open that first page, and I was like, is this for real? Who am I in the big scheme of things? But my brother, I, to, I, I repeat what I've said. I don't have proper ways to describe the way how I felt when you approached me for that. You, you, you made me feel special and important. You are a brother in the true meaning of the word brother, and not only to me, but to a lot of you know, South Africans, particularly in the boxing fraternity, who always you know, make positive comments every time you write stories about you. Continue being the good man, my brother. And uh, your hard work, dedication, love for South Africans, and even thinking about, you know, helping revive the country will never go unnoticed. May the almighty God bring you closer to your dreams. Thank you, Bogani. I really appreciate your words. And, and thank you for the great forward. Uh, so if you do purchase the book, you realize that there's a forward. That forward was written by uh, Bongani. You know, it's a great forward. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of PageCast. We have an incredible lineup of author interviews. So head over to our Facebook and Instagram and follow Jonathan Ball Publishers to stay updated and in the know regarding future episodes. Thanks for your interest in the story behind the story. Happy reading from everyone at PageCast. PageCast.